Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the upcoming. Doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter. We're here to talk about all the best and the brightest as they make their way to their dream careers. I'm your host, Jonathan Carr. Join me as we have a spectacular conversation with an equally spectacular person. You ready? Let's go. Hello, world, and welcome to The Upcoming, the perfect place to catch the best and brightest on their way to the top. Joining me now for the upcoming 17th episode is a very special guest with a very delectable talent. She is the founder and CEO of her own bakery, Florida Sales, where she serves the most delicious cookies with flavor like her classic sea salt chocolate chip, uh, matcha, and my personal favorite, cinnamon snickerdoodle. So saying you're in for a treat is an understatement and also a bad pun. Uh, She plans to set up her own brick and mortar bakery, and I'm betting it'll eventually be a franchise that gives Mrs. Fields a run for their money. So without further ado, I bring to you Miss Laura Adekoya. How's it going, Laura? I'm good. Thank you for having me. How are you? I am fantastic. So Laura, as usual, one thing I love to do here at the upcoming is give guests a chance to introduce themselves. So Laura, in your own words, who and what exactly are you? Thank you for the opportunity. So my name, like you said, is Lara Adekoya. I'm the CEO and founder of Floraisel. Uh, Floraisel means flowers and salt in French, and we are a small locally owned bake shop in Los Angeles. We specialize in making handcrafted, thoughtfully made cookies in small batches. And I started the business in April of 2020 during the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and our company is centered around our three core values, which are cookies, of course, compassion, and community. So, yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> wow, nice. Yeah. And so it's funny because I know that you did this, um, sort of started this business during the uh, pandemic. So I just want to know uh, something important. And that's what is your uh, what were your initial thoughts, you know, at the start of this pandemic? Were you just thinking like, was it always like, yeah, now I want to get into baking? Or were you kind of confused for a time? Like, just... Take us through what that was like. Yeah. So in the early days of the pandemic, I mean, I was home. Uh, I used to work at Nordstrom at the Grove. So I had like a retail nine to five job where I would go in, engage with customers, you know, do my thing, be an entrepreneur in my own way and then go home. So with the stay at home orders, I, you know, I didn't have Zoom calls to hop on. I didn't have meetings to schedule. I just had a lot more time, to be honest. And um my happy place, if you will, is in the kitchen. So that's where I found myself spending most of my time. And I really was looking for a way to connect with my friends, my family members, and people in the community that I missed. So I started baking truly as a way to connect with other people. Yeah. So, you know, now that we're talking about cookies, let's um, go back to take it all the way back to. Um, where it all began, Laura, because I understand that you spent you know, a lot of time, or at least your childhood, in France. And, you know, I was looking at, and when I found you were from France, I was looking at some French desserts, which honestly look absolutely delicious. But the two words that come to mind most when I look at them are light and savory. Would you by any chance agree with this, or would you describe it in another way? Well, I would agree with that, but I would say what I 
found to be the most beautiful thing about pastries and baked goods in France was the fact that there were houses that specialized in certain things. So Maison du Chocolat is, a, you know, the house that specializes in chocolate. La Durée is specialized in macarons. And, you know, when I was creating my business, I did want to be a business or bakery that made a million things. I wanted to be like, you know, the French style where you specialize in one thing and you do it so well that you're known for that one thing. But I would agree with those words. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. And so what are some of the things you're thinking when you look at, let's say, the cuisines in like France compared to the U.S.? Because obviously there's a lot of differences in terms of like ingredients, in terms of like textures, like, like how like what how people eat them. It's really kind of there just kind of feel like sort of just baffling how different some things can be. Of course. Um, the, the biggest thing that comes to mind when I think of the difference between the, you know, the States and France in terms of food and meals and ingredients, I think it's the emphasis on what meals and, you know, food means in France. I feel like in the U.S. there's so much to go, you know, fast food, get it quick, I'm eating while I'm working. Whereas in France, there's this emphasis of togetherness and conversation during mealtime. So, you know, they don't take their lunches to go. You're sitting down, you're giving yourself a good hour to connect, to eat, to enjoy the food. And I feel like in the States, so much of our lives is, you know, rush, rush, rush and eating on the go. And I think that's the biggest difference that I find, you know, between the States and Europe. Okay. So that's something. So I was actually going to ask about um, something about international cuisine that you think people really should appreciate but might not and there you go that's one that looks like that's one of them just the together absolutely absolutely when you when you think about it because in america we're it's really such a fast-paced sort of world we all like when we think of like sitting down togetherness we even like when you have like a whole family or you have like you know a date or something you don't really think much about it you're it just feels a little too formal for us we're all just sort of like just get in and go and everything and yes maybe that's um how do you think people could like sort of like change from that just sort of like come to appreciate it more yeah well i mean i think taking it or tying it back to my business the beauty of my business and so i sell is not only specialty cookies but it's the notion of sharing them, right? So my cookies are meant to be shared. I want you to buy a cookie and eat a cookie and then tell your friend, oh my God, I have the best cookie. Or, hey, I have two, why don't you take one? And it's that, you know, notion of sharing and togetherness that I try to bridge through my cookies and my business. Um, that is a nod to the French culture of sharing meals and sharing food and what it can bring out of someone. You know, in uh, French culture, at least French American culture, there's this chef. Uh, I remember his name? Uh, I think it's Jacques uh, Pepin. I hope I said his name right. And he says something really interesting. Uh, he said, "Cooking is the art of adjustment." That's saying something. Now I want to know how that applies to you, Laura. Uh, do you see adjustment in your work? And if so, uh, what is it exactly? Of course. 
I mean, I would say that each time that I bake or cook, it's just an opportunity to become that much better. So, you know, say I make a batch of chocolate chip and I, you know, I'm like, oh, they're a little bit too flat. How can I adjust and make them a little bit better, right? Or I have a customer that tries it and they say it's a little bit too this. I'm like, okay, how can I adjust and just, you know, react and, you know, ensure that I'm delivering the best product. So I, I totally agree with that. I mean, baking is a little bit more of a precise science, I would say, than cooking. Cooking is a little bit more of an art and a dance, whereas I think baking is a little bit more technical. Um, you know, you can't really freehand a cookie, right? You kind of have to abide by certain guidelines. But if you're making like a, a pasta or a stew, like, of course, if it needs a little bit more this or that, it's easy to just kind of add, you know, to your pot of ingredients. So, um, I do agree with that. However, I do think baking is a little bit more of a precise science than, you know, cooking is. But I do agree with that. All right. All right. And so it really had me thinking, because you said that baking is more on a, a technical level and, you know, is more precise than cooking. But where do you, how do you still, do you still try to like, you know, sort of like bend the rules a bit, like, and so, like, how do you do it? Like, bend the rules to, like, your own liking so you can add more improvement, more quality to uh, what you do. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that I try to come up with flavors that are unique and that I haven't seen before. So bending the rules, if you will. You know, like, if you Google, you know, top 10 popular flavors of cookies, right? You'll see, of course, chocolate chip, you'll see snickerdoodle, you'll see oatmeal raisin, but like you will not see raspberry pistachio amour. You will not see brownie fudge max creme, right? Like you won't see some of the flavors that I've come up with. You won't see matcha, you know what I mean? So I try to bend the rules in the sense of I want to create flavors that only not only feel good, but taste good and they are unique. So you won't find them somewhere else. So in that regard, I think I do bend the rules a little bit instead of baking the conventional M&M cookie or limiting my menu to chocolate chips, snickerdoodle, you know, and just your more standard flavors. And even in those flavors that I have created that are your typical cookie flavors, I try to, you know, blend some spices or ingredients or add my own spin on it so that it is unique and it is more personal and relevant to my brand and my business. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so when you brought up the uh, matcha, and um, the uh, oatmeal, like, let's say, um, walnut um, cookies, because some of those are definitely unique, especially, and also the, just all different flavors you have um, together. And, you know, as you continue to come up with these new flavors, what are some, what are some other, like, what are some other flavors that you've thought about, like, experimenting with and, like, want to try um, just to bring more creativity and more variety in your mix. Yes, I really love fruit and fruit doesn't always belong in cookies, <laughs> sadly. Um, but my goal is to figure out more ways to introduce fruits and fruity flavors into my cookies. Um, because, I mean, I love cookies, obviously, of course. But when I'm not eating cookies, my favorite dessert is you know, they're fruit based, whether it's like a fruit tart or a, um, a fruit crumble or a berry pie or a berry ice cream. I really love fruit and the brightness of fruit um, and the sweetness, the natural sweetness of fruit. 
So trying to find ways to introduce more fruits into my cookies is definitely a priority. Um, I feel like I'm pretty thorough in like my chocolate category, my nuts category, you know, all of those typical sweets. So finding ways to introduce some fruit, I think, is my next priority on the horizon. Yes. <laughs> I can honestly see you putting... I when I think of like fruits, I was I w- once imagined you making like a like a pina colada cookie or like a oh. uh, or like a mixed berry cookie, like some yeah. yeah. If I could, you know, master that and figure it out, I think it'd be a huge hit. Something different, you know, because yeah. I have the chocolate, I have the double chocolate, I have a you know toffee, I have you know all of those typical sweets and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I will be excited to try whatever one you make next. Uh, yes. So, Laura, you stated that the name Flores itself is um, French, comes from your two favorite things, flowers and salt. So yep. given the obvious differences between those two things, where do you find like sort of the beauty and uh, coalescence of such differences? Yeah, you know, I think it's kind of, I'll say two things. So flowers and salt, obviously, don't have the greatest correlation, right? But it is a play on words, uh, fleur de sel, which in French means sea salt. So I thought it was a nice play on words. But at the same time, what I really love about the name and my business is the fact that if you were to look at me, I don't think I look like a typical baker. I don't really know what a typical baker looks like, right? But I happen to make the most delicious cookies and you're supposed to enjoy them. And that's kind of it. You know what I mean? I feel like the customer is supposed to just appreciate and enjoy the product. And so Fleur sell may not mean anything to you. It may mean the world to you. But at the end of the day, I just want you to enjoy the product. So I see a beauty in that, you know, that yeah. non-traditionalness of the bakery name. Like I, I would never have named my business Lara's Cookies. I just, it's just not me, <laughs> you know what I mean? And there's so many people that are like, you know, Maya's cookies or Michelle's cookies or Tom's cookies. And I, I'm far from ordinary. <laughs> I'm extraordinary, you know? So I, I wanted to name myself and position the business to be something that really resonated with my identity. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you're step, stepping away from traditions and you're becoming, you know, your own person, your own brand. And that helps Excellent. make you recognizable from the rest of the crowd. And yeah, I can tell like you, I'm betting that you've never wanted to be someone of like tradition anyway. So like when, looking, when looking at your brand, how do you want to, what are some of the, what are some words you would tell people who are, you know, sort of used to that lifestyle or want to like create something of their own anyway, what would you say to them? Honestly, especially in this world of oversaturation, right? So if you're on Instagram or social media, for example, or even in a clothing store, it's like the same design you see from Gucci is knocked off by Zara. That's knocked off by H&M. And like, it's just not interesting. You know what I mean? The same influencer that's posting this is also the next influencer posting the same thing. Like I, I've never been someone that's envied others or wanted to be like other people I've always just kind of done my own thing and I feel like it's easier to be authentic and relatable when you are yourself you know instead of constantly trying to keep up with someone else and 
you know, even with baking, I, I don't follow other bakers, not because I don't admire what they do or, you know, I, I just don't want to subconsciously copy other people or knock off what someone else is doing. And I think that's what's helped my brand be so authentic is that I'm not a knockoff. I'm not a copy. I'm my own thing. And so I would encourage anyone with a platform, with a business, whether it's a clothing line or a, you want to be a rapper or whatever you want to do, like, sure, you could take nods from other people, but focus on yourself. Don't focus on being the next someone else. That's my advice. So stop focusing on the crowd and just be yourself. Just be yourself. It's easier. You know, it's easier than wanting to keep up with someone else like that. It yeah. just sounds tiresome trying to keep up with someone else. Definitely. So, I love that. <laughs> so let's um, keep going here. I noticed that while you were in school, you studied in UCLA's Prudential and General Sciences uh, certificate program, basically yep. working to be a dentist. And yep. I, I'm not going to lie. It feels a bit ironic that you now own a bakery. It's yep. just it's so funny how things can just shift like that. And, but that's what yep. I want to talk to you about. Like when you think about how drastic life can shift, like your complete left turn in terms of like uh, career fields, like how do you, how can you best like anticipate or maybe even what do you imagine like, could happen in the near future with my business you mean or yeah, yeah. With, your, with your business and with your um with your path and your career path yeah well I mean I'll say two things so with me wanting to be a dentist as ironic as it sounds right now that I own a bakery and I make cookies the essence of why I wanted to be the dentist is the same so I wanted to be a dentist because it would allow me to provide a service to other people that would uplift and positively impact their lives, right? So whether that's helping someone with their smile, whether that's, you know, helping them clean their teeth on the hygiene side or whatever it have you, like it, the goal was to create a practice where I would have customers and, you know, I would see the mom and then treat the daughter the next day and then see the dad two weeks later and just create that community within my own dental practice while being authentic and of service to other people. I'm doing the same thing through my business, just the vehicle now, instead of dentistry, it's baking cookies. I have customers that I see on a weekly, daily basis. I have that community that I wanted to build where I can connect and engage and know my customers by their first name, you know, and I'm delivering a service and a product that's uplifting other people. So I feel 100% fulfilled. And I think all of that goes to say is, you know, in our lives, we're driven to aspire to be this or that. But I think it's more important to look at the core of why you want to do those things, right? Like, yeah, anyone could want to be an architect or a doctor or a lawyer or a musician, but it's like, what is it in your essence and your core that's driving you to want to be that thing, you know? And I think at the root of it, my passion is about helping other people. That is what I'm passionate about. So it doesn't really matter whether it's through dentistry, whether it's through community service, baking, music, like that is the essence of my passion. And I know it seems ironic, but if you think of it that way, it's, it's not ironic at all. 
you know? No, no, absolutely not. But one thing that is different from what you do now, what you initially want to do is as this, as a baker, as a small business owner, I've seen that it's also given a, or brought a um, sense of freedom, really, at least I can imagine it does. Because now you have the freedom to um, make what you want, do what you want, how you want to do it and serve the, um, serve the masses. And you've gained a huge following from it, but you've been able to do it on your own terms, which I imagine Absolutely. was, has, wouldn't be as you know liberating as being a dentist since there's such a strict set of guidelines and rules to follow compared to being a baker. So do you ever, yeah. uh, when looking at that, are you, does that, does having that freedom make you even more happy that you did it? Or did you um, not really think about it too much at first? Yeah, I I think what was the pivotal moment for me in seeking that freedom and autonomy of being my own boss was that I was tired of being told no. You know, like I was tired of not getting accepted to dental school. I didn't want to get rejected by another employer, you know, even though I'm putting my best foot out there. So instead of, you know, being complacent and just being told no again, I was like, you know what, I'm going to take things into my own hands and just do my own thing. Yeah. So it is liberating. Um, you know, it's totally liberating and, I'm grateful, but it's also not easy. Being an entrepreneur is glamorized, you know. No one talks about the difficult days and the, you know, the hurdles and the challenges and the not knowing what to do next. Everyone focuses on you're an entrepreneur, you have freedom, you make your own hours. All of those things are great, but no, there are difficulties and challenges that every entrepreneur goes through, so... And a lot of them don't even like make it. A lot of them fail. And that's a, that's a scary thought too. Yeah. Yeah, of same, course. But at the same time, you've managed to hold your head up high and uh, continue on with uh, floors to sell. Is it, is it still ever just kind of like looming your head, like the what ifs and like the, like the um, possible like negative outcomes, or do you just like not even think about that? You just want to like keep holding your head up. Um, I mean, I think it's it's inevitable for the what if to sometimes take over and cloud your thinking. But I have just found that positivity prevails. <laughs> you know what I mean? And why focus on the negatives when you can focus on creating solutions? And one thing that I've found in my journey is I will never know all of the answers. But I'm sure I know someone that could help guide me or I can look it up or I could teach myself, you know, and as ironic as it sounds, the Nike slogan of just do it, I really believe that. Just do it. Just start the business. Just just figure it out. You know, it's not that simple, but it's the the action verb of like taking that step to figuring it out instead of just drowning in the what if because the what ifs are endless and they are scary. So why focus on that when instead you can focus on creating solutions and moving forward? I love that. I love that a lot. So, yeah, just positivity does prevail. Just that optimism. Totally. The optimism that's helped people be billionaires even. So. Oh, yeah. 
So let's talk about um, your one of your defining traits of Florida Sales, and that's your customer service. So you've had a history of that from working USC to Nordstrom's to even being a French tutor. And in Nordstrom in particular, you had a really successful career. You had definitely a high um, performance with um, working there. Uh, how do you see how or at least how has each experience sort of empowered your ability and love to like sell your brand and to appeal to customers? That's a great question. And I will say that, yes, I have worked in customer service from Nordstrom to being a tutor to my first job at USC. And what it's taught me, to be honest, is the importance of treating everyone the same and treating everyone how you would like to be treated. You know, because at Nordstrom, I worked in sales, right? I was full designer shoes. You cannot tell by how someone is dressed what's in their pocket or what's in their heart. You just can't tell. So instead of trying to, oh, she looks like she has money. Oh, he looks like he's going to spend. Instead of focusing on that, I focus on getting to know my customers. And that's what drove me to be a top seller at Nordstrom right? Making a relationship and getting to know who I was interacting with allowed me to be more successful than just trying to gauge who had money or who was going to spend, who was ready to shop. And the beauty of my business is the fact that my customers are super diverse from all parts of town, from all walks of life, from all aspects of the community, like from all ranges of the spectrum. And I pride myself whenever I see a customer to make sure that they feel valued because they are valued and I do value them, you know? So being able to have a personalized experience to me is what I would want. Like I want someone to remember that I ordered. I want someone to remember my favorite flavors. Yeah, it gets tough and I, I can't remember everyone's favorite flavor, but Finding little ways to connect with customers, I think, goes a long way. And I know that's something that I appreciate. So I would hope others appreciate that, too. Yeah, that's that's a great answer. Just treating everybody with equal respect and in the learn their um, likes and dislikes. Just basically being empathetic in a way and, like, compassionate is what I'm yeah, getting. Yeah, totally, totally. Because... I treat the person who buys two cookies the same way as a person that buys 200, you know, like you're treated the same because everyone deserves respect and everyone deserves to feel celebrated, you know? So I'm grateful for all of my customers, whether you're spending $2 or $20, it doesn't really matter to me, you know? Yeah. As I say, every dollar counts and it does. It does. <laughs> Yeah. So another thing is of your traits of building your business is obviously being an entrepreneur means you have grown and are at least building your leadership skills. And even before uh, you floored sales, I saw in USC that you were really actively involved uh, on campus when the U.S. Um, Globe Meds to uh, the Sigma uh, Lambda Gamma um, Sorority. That's a big one. Mm. And to even work in the orientation programs 
a whole bunch of things, even the French uh, Honor Society. You've done a lot that has no doubt built your ability to not only lead, but like collaborate with others. So and working in your experiences on campus, like how did you see yourself like growing and like sh being shaped into the leader you now are right now? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I, I guess even in my family, like I have an older sister who I look up to, who leads by example. And I also have two younger brothers that I aspire to lead and, you know, inspire as well, right? So even just as a sister or family member, like I've always aspired to just be someone that's, you know, doing the best that I can and hopefully inspiring the next person. And I know when I worked at USC as an orientation advisor, I met so many new students. I engaged with parents. You know, I helped people familiarize themselves with campus and college life. And I just loved being that big sister to all of these new students because I knew that I had things that I wanted to share with them, advice, mentorship. Hey, watch out for this. Hey, I think you should do this, you know. And I just, you know, I just love being a kind and, you know, helpful person. Like, that makes me happy being of service to other people. So being able to be a leader and learn what it means to lead, I think that was instilled in me from a young age. Um, and I'm, I'm happy that, you know, sooner or later, I'm going to be a leader to others and hire employees and, you know, build a team and be able to take my leadership skills to the next level. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'm excited too. Because uh, the more people you're able to have in, in your circle, that means the more people you're able to um, learn from, inspire to be, and also lead and just carry on um, that huge legacy that you're um, setting up. So Thank you. it's definitely going in a great direction. But uh, now let's move on to back to floors um, at Cell and uh, your business because, well, I got to tell you um, this little story and I'll bring it back to floor itself. So not long ago, I went to, have you been, ever been to Taste of Soul? Yeah. It's been a while, but I've been before. Yeah. Well, I went um, a couple, like a week or two ago. I went for the first time and it's a, uh, it's pretty cool. It's uh, honestly, it's a lot of fun. It's packed though. It's absolutely packed, but uh, it's just this huge festival of food and most important community. Like everyone around different neighborhoods, maybe even across the um, city is going to this and it's really telling how far something can go um, in enough time since it was founded in 2005. So Laura, when I was thinking of um, Taste of Soul, I thought a lot about you and uh, Floors at Cell because, you know, picturing a lot of um, Black-owned businesses in places like that and are just um, what we just talked about, about being yourself and not like uh, being like the rest of the crowd. How do you think you would stand out from the rest? Because a lot of those businesses like you chose to be their own person and like set up their own brands to stand out? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I feel like it just goes down to me as a person. 
You know what I mean? There's a million cookie businesses. There's a million jazz artists. There's a million, you know, musicians, you know, but at the end of the day, it just kind of goes down to the founder, the person, and those personal connections, you know? So, like, sure, at Taste the Soul, if I was there among a hundred other vendors, let's just even say 30 other dessert vendors, how are my cookies going to stand out? Well, when someone comes to my booth, I'm going to make sure that they taste my product, feel valued, make a connection. And, you know, at the end of the evening, I hope that they're thinking about my cookies. Wow, that girl was so nice. Wow, her cookies were so good. I really loved the French angle. You know, whatever it is that I can do to make a connection is, I think, what makes you stand out among the crowd. There you go. It's brilliant. Reminds, what you said reminds me a lot of this one thing I read where somebody said, even if I don't like the product, I love the hands that made them. And yeah, I, absolutely. And there you go. Just that sort of competitive advantage, just being the one people can just like see and just be like, oh, Sap, I remember her. I loved her cookies and she was so nice to me. So that's, that's yeah, whatever it is. That- you know, will make you stand out in your own way is the focus. The focus. All right. There we go. There we go. So, you know, before I um, go into a little bit more of now, nah, you know, I'm just going to keep going anyway. Uh, you are now um, building back on uh, floor itself. You are applying and working to have your own shop set up, you know, away from your house and like your own space so you can uh, do to cook and uh, to serve your customers and your brand so this having your own having your own shop like real shop will obviously be a huge milestone but of course there'll be costs as well and a lot of things to think about uh what do you want what do you anticipate what do you hope or even better yet what are you hoping uh will come once you've had your own space and your own shop set up? What, like, what are you hoping to see in, in the um, near future? That's a good question. Um, my goal with my upcoming bakery is to be able to serve more people, um, whether that's more flexible hours, whether that's more cookies, you know, just being able to serve the community on a larger scale um, while also being a little bit more accessible. Um, those are two of my goals. Also being able to build a team is a huge goal of mine. Um, and then lastly, just kind of anchoring ourselves in the community further than we have with, you know, a location where people can come and experience and remember and drive past and say, oh yeah, look, I've been there. Oh yeah, I I know that girl. Oh yeah. You know, that's what I'm excited for. Just further anchoring ourselves in the community. I love that. I love that. Now, another thing to think about is this needs to get big. You could end up opening uh, different shops around the country and become like a franchise. As I said, you could um, make this Miss um, Fields nervous. Uh, have you thought about like? Yeah, <laughs> <Take> it up. <laughs> exactly. Have you um, thought about um, Flores itself becoming a franchise? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely an opportunity. It's on the table, you know. But I am someone that likes to build slow and steady. So 
let me, you know, handle this first location, see how things go, and then plan for number two, number three, right? I'm just not the, you know, I'm not a tech company. I'm not like a rapid growth, quick exit type of company. You know, and some people will understand that and others won't, you know? I know tech is the new wave. I know brick and mortar are dying. I know everything's shifting to online business, you know, but I'm just going to do the best I can to navigate and balance all of those things. Um, However, my focus is my product. product. Because that's what keeps me in business. And that's what will keep customers coming back. Not how many locations I have, how amazing the product is. Oh, that's my focus. Yeah, but still, I you can't help but think like after the COVID nineteen came so suddenly and rocked a ton of small businesses, causing many to close down. It's got to be. Um, I mean, it's got to be looming in your head just the possibility of another pandemic or another crazy world crisis just um, rocking us uh, economically. So. Have you um, made plans at all or um, given any thoughts to uh, how we, how you would handle that when it comes? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would say my business was birthed out of the pandemic. So all I know is how to be flexible and adapt. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't, I don't, I've never experienced ideal business conditions with, you know, a booming economy, a brick and mortar, you know, delivery in place. Like I, I've never had those things, you know? But I do know how to react, adjust. And sometimes when you are a small business, it is easier to be flexible and make quick calls. Hey, no more of this. Let's change to this. Hey, instead of doing this on Tuesdays, let's move it to this. Like, it's easier when you're a small business, you know, to be more flexible and adaptable. So it's definitely on my mind. But, you know, again, just that optimism uh, is kind of what keeps me grounded despite the uncertainty of what could come. All right, cool. So stepping away from floor to cell, let's uh, head back to you, Laura. So obviously um, baking is extremely important to you and it's helped, you know, um, flex your, let's say flex your creative muscle, you know, it's helped um, satisfy your uh, sort of artistic passions. Is there other ways you like to like uh, utilize, um, those passions, like other ways you like to like think and uh, move uh, creatively? Yeah. Um, well, a big part, which kind of ties back to my business, since the business is truly an extension of myself, um, is through language. Like I love languages and being able to communicate and express myself in different languages is a huge passion of mine. So obviously I speak English, yes, and I speak French. But I'm learning Spanish. I, you know, I know a little bit of Japanese. I'm interested in Portuguese. So being able to like learn different languages or even just listen to music in different languages is something I really love. Um, so that's a huge passion of mine. Um, and beyond that, I love cooking also, right? Um, but just being with family and, and storytelling is what I love. Really, like I'm, I'm very boring, you know. <laughs> but I'm just someone who just loves family and people and connections and communicating and 
you know, that's, that's what I love. So that's kind of what I've centered my life around. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Hope that you know. question. <laughs> it does. It does. So you, you want to continue to learn more language because indeed language linguistics can be a truly beautiful thing. And just, uh, some of the, the you also listen, listen to like uh, French music. Do you ever like, is there ever a time when like you hear something like maybe like a song or like a poem and maybe you don't want to know like what it translates into? You don't want to know what the words mean. You just kind of want to like let it just like kind of flow into your head and make your own interpretations. Um, sometimes, but I think what I love the most about language, especially in music is that, yes, it brings on a different feeling, but there's so many different feelings that could come from saying the same word in another language. For example, the simple, you know, I love you, right? In English, carries one feeling and meaning. But when you say it in Spanish, it brings on a whole other emotion. When you say it in French, it brings on a different feeling, to me at least. So when I hear music, and maybe it's three songs saying the same thing, the music, the beats, the rhythms, the language, the pronunciation, it all kind of brings on a different feeling. And I love experiencing all of those different things. So sometimes, you know, I'll just get lost in the melodies and the rhythms and I don't really know what they're saying, but I like how it sounds, right? But I often truly look up the lyrics just so I can learn, you know? Like when I first started learning French, we learned French through songs. We would learn like little nursery rhymes that said, I don't know, random stuff. But that's how I learned the vocabulary. And then from that, when I heard it again in a different context, I was like, oh, that's what that means. So I've always just had this like appreciation for music um, and singing and song and all of that. Wow. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> that's really cool that you you know you you have that sort of drive to learn and just uh, gain more of understanding of what you're hearing, whether it be through song or books or anything. Sure. So, yeah, that's honestly great to know. So, honestly, so it's, I still can't help but think about you know just language in and of itself because there's hundreds of them out there in the world and. Yep. Even dead languages, ones we might uh, never know. And yeah, we were up to you. Would you like? Because I can, I can honestly see you just having like your, uh, if you could, just having like a whole library of different um, like languages of books and like songs and everything. Just studying all those. Oh yeah, totally. Like literally, I remember when I was younger and still do sometimes. Like not that I don't like reading novels but I would literally read the French dictionary. So I was like, I need to know all of these words. <laughs> I was just like, I need to know them all. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really uh, revealing myself right now. <laughs> but, you know, I, it just goes back to just loving to learn, you know, and loving to be a student and learning new things and just being a sponge. You know, I, I feel like I'm a lifelong student and I love learning new things, especially in different languages. So definitely like another hidden interest of mine, if you will, that I don't think a lot of people know. <laughs> so. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So 
uh, wrapping up to my last question uh, to you, Laura. When looking at floors itself, when looking at your legacy with baking, with French, with you know your years of customer service and just being able to serve uh, the public, what is something you want people to remember the most about you? And what's something you want people to remember the least? Um, the most I want people to remember is how I treated them. You know, when you came to pick up cookies, how did I make you feel? You know, how did eating the cookie make you feel? Did it bring something positive to your day? Like that's what I hope people remember in terms of like a legacy. Um, there's nothing I would say I hope people don't remember. Again, that's a little bit negative. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can't really think of anything I don't want people to remember, you know, but I, I also would want people to remember, like, you know, that it, it wasn't easy and I just didn't give up and I haven't given up and I won't give up. So Again, instead of dwelling on the challenges and everything I've been through, like let's focus on how she overcame those things and how she inspired someone else to do the same, you know? So I wouldn't say if there's anything negative I want people to remember about me, but yeah, focusing on the positive, I think is a better way to go about things. Focusing on the positives. That's great. Yeah. Great response. <laughs> Definitely. Um, Definitely is one of the things that uh, defines your brand, just positive, because it's, it's as I say, positive vibes only. That's oh, that's, yeah. Oh, there's enough negative in this world, you know? Like, I'm not trying to be a part of that. No, of course not. In any case, well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes it for episode 17 of the upcoming. I want to give another huge thank you to my guest, Laura. Thank you so much for agreeing to this. Thank you for having me. And if you guys are interested in ordering cookies and joining our community, I'm sure he'll tag and share our Instagram name or visit our website. And I would love to meet you guys and have you guys try some of our cookies. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Babel, follow um, Laura's SL on Instagram and she'll be um, sending you guys notifications of uh, cookie drops. Be sure to catch yours. I personally recommend the snick, um, cinnamon sticker doodle, but of course, if you want to try um, any others, that's good too. Because I also recommend the chocolate um, chip sea salt and all the other great flavors that she has set up. Because Lori is truly an incredible baker, and also be sure to stay tuned for the next episode of the upcoming. Uh, we publish on Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And also be sure to follow the upcoming on Instagram at the underscore upcoming podcast. And with that being said, thank you so much for uh, listening to this episode and good night. Thank you for tuning in to the upcoming. If you like this, please sure to follow us on Spotify for more amazing content. The best is yet to come. Take care, everybody.